0: Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. The title of the message is There's Hope, and the text is Genesis 1, verse 1. And I know that is unusual for a Christmas text. You're wondering, how could that be A Christmas text. But I decided to read it and I'll share with you why. And this is the word of the Lord God Almighty, verse one, Genesis one. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is God's word for God's people. There are a few passages in the scriptures that have resounded more thunderously down through the centuries than this one verse. It is majestic in its beginnings and it is great in its statement. Is maybe the most important word spoken in the scripture because everything begins with God. In the beginning, God created. God was and is the Lord of history. History is God's plan and God's purpose. Everything that's done, everything that's happened, has happened Because of God And I want to say that this verse gives you and I hope In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth In 1990, and some of you may remember this And you'll know this name if you're a little older Carl Sagan, who who was a guy who popularized science Asked NASA to point the cameras on the spacecraft Voyager at Earth in order to take a photograph of our planet from a distance of almost four billion miles. Think about that. Voyager was four billion miles from the Earth when it took this picture. It is an iconic, famous picture, and it shows the Earth in this vast universe. That little dot you see there, four billion 4 miles from Earth, that's here, that's where we're at right now, that's our home, that's us. In his book, Pale Blue Dot, here's what Sagan wrote. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this pale point, point of pale light Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. When Carl Sagan saw that dot 4 billion miles from Earth, he was filled with hopelessness. He was filled with a sense of lostness. He is filled with a sense of insignificance, smallness, unimportance. He is, who are we? And then what he dawned on him was that there was nothing that could save us from ourselves. What is going on in the world today, such as climate change and and uh, sending money to third world countries to help them fix their climate problems and their population. It's all an attempt to save ourselves because mankind believes that we have no one to save ourselves except ourselves. But this verse contradicts everything Sagan thought, believed, and everything the world thinks or saves if you accept the truth of this one sentence and the world we live in at once becomes not Carl Sagan's island in an ocean of meaningless darkness but a world dominated by personality filled with purpose shot through with meaning and hope why because in the beginning God created the first sentence means that this world was made by a person a person of great power and genius who manufactured a world to reflect his nature and character and to suit his own purposes and plans. It means that our lives came not simply from somewhere, but from someone. If you're an evolutionist, it's it came from somewhere and no idea why. But if you're a creationist, you know you're here because of a Creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's what the apostle Paul meant when he wrote in the book of Acts, chapter 17. We live and we move and we have our being in God. We live, we move, and we have our being in God. The promise of all that simple man fears, accountability before God. And all the man's hopes for a life meaning in this world and a better life beyond the grave is found in this opening sentence in the beginning, God. Carl Sagan thought we are alone. But the Bible verse begins with a statement that we're not alone in the beginning, God created. You and I are not an accident of nature. You are not an accident. We are human beings created by God in his image and in his likeness and you and I have a purpose and if we have a purpose we have hope we have hope because of God the God of the Bible the God of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 Christmas brings hope and it brings tangible life-changing hope Genesis one one tells you and me that god is with us in the beginning god in the beginning god and that is what christmas continues to tell you and me his name shall be called what emmanuel god with us as great a miracle of as the creating the universe was creating the sun, moon, and stars, and the earth, the greatest miracle was the incarnation. God becoming a man, taking on human flesh, being born of a virgin, laid in a manger. It was something done by God for and to and about mankind. And the way which it was done is selective in its highest degree. Man's creation is the crowning of Genesis chapter 1. Everything funnels. Everything in that chapter points towards man's creation and what God plans to do. Man's creation is so important that chapter 2 retells a little bit of what takes place between verses 26 and 31. God has always had a plan and a purpose. God has wanted to be with us. What is amazing, as I was thinking about this, was God talks to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. God talks to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 after they sinned, and they broke his commandment. And he gives them hope. And then all of a sudden, their sons bring an offering. And God speaks to Cain. And then Genesis 5. It tells us that one of God's servants named Enoch walked with God. And certainly, it was not because God took him. Yes, yes, yes. And Genesis 6, that it, what is going on in the world has been going on for the last hundred years is to erase the book of Genesis. Man is from the monkeys. Evolution. Take prayer and the Bible out of school. Abortion, destroy the image of God. Lately we've seen... The confusion of gender but you know there's another thing that's going on not only is there a talk of population control because when god created man and woman he said go and replenish earth fill it have babies listen christians we ought to have babies have babies have children but you know there is some people buying in the idea that we ought to work towards extinction. These people get voice in the media, in the newspapers, in television, that we mankind are so wicked and so bad that we just need to get rid of ourselves. War on the scripture, war on God, war on mankind. I could go on, he called Noah. He spoke to Noah before the flood, he spoke to Noah after the flood. And even though man is moving farther away from God, God was always working. It seemed that man was really lost, that he had blown it. If you read the story of the Tower of Babel. But suddenly out of all this darkness and obscurity, God finds a man and calls him by his grace and his name is Abraham. And he separates Abraham from his home and moves him into a strange country. And then he becomes... The father of one. And then that father becomes the father of two. And one of those boys become the father of 12. They have their ups and downs. Some will die in the desert. And later some will die in Babylon. But God is always working. Always moving towards his purpose and his plan. And some think that one day a young girl named Mary... A virgin was in prayer and communion, and God spoke to her and called her to bear the promised seed of Eve. All through the Old Testament, we're moving towards this calling, this child. In the beginning, God created this, God had a plan and purpose to save us and to bring us into his kingdom. In his plan and purpose, he'll send angels to Elizabeth and Zacharias, Mary and Joseph, even to some insignificant shepherds. And all the time he's simply saying to you and me that I love you, I want to be with you. Did Christmas happen? Yes. And that's what the story of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds tell you and me. That's what the story of the angels tell you and me. That's what the story of the wise men from the East, non-Jewish men. God was always working to bring about salvation. What does that mean for you and me? Let me simply say this, several things. God sees, he sees us now, he sees the future. He's aware of our needs and everything he's been doing in his plan and purpose to bring Jesus Christ in the world and to bring him back again at the second coming is to say, I'm aware of you, mankind. I'm aware of you. He sympathized with you and me. Not only does he see us, he he cares about us. The Christmas story ought to amaze you and astound you. To think that God cared enough to send his only begotten son, his unique son, that he became flesh and dwelt among us, but he became flesh like a baby. Think about this. He placed his son in the hands of sinful people for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. That means even Joseph and Mary were sinners. But God loved us enough that he thought I could call these two to raise my boy. God plans. He's been orchestrating the first coming of Christ throughout all Old Testament history. And now he is orchestrating the history to bring about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you are doubting and wondering if it was it, what is going to happen, let me tell you, in the beginning God created and And from that moment, God began working to bring about his plan and his purposes for all of us. God acts. He did send his son. He told him he'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll be born of a virgin. He'll He'll be from the tribe of Judah. He'll be a son of David, and he will inherit David's throne. And God reigns. He defeated, this, listen, he defeated sin, death, and Satan himself, without your help, without my help. And guess how he did it? With a baby. Once the baby was born and wrapped in swollen clothes, the devil was already behind the chains. That's a football term. That means it's more than 10 yards to go. The only thing the devil would ever be able to do was punt. (laughs) He wasn't going to keep the ball. It's because God won victory when Jesus Christ was won. Christmas reminds us, as creation does, that God is all-powerful and that he has a purpose. But this is most of all. He's personal. In the beginning, God created. I'm not saying you'd enjoy it. You can read all. There's other creation stories, but it doesn't take you long to figure out. It doesn't. None of them compared to Genesis. God doesn't even. (laughs) How many parents remember that? How many of you remember your. You're, and probably some of you said this to your kids. I don't have to explain myself to you. Did you ever hear that? Have you ever used it? And parents, if you have it, you need to. Listen, a family's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. All you kids need to realize that. If your parents ask you, for example, where you want to eat, you ought to count your blessings. My dad didn't care what we wanted to eat. <laughs> he only cared where he wanted to eat. And either we got on board or just sat there and starved. And I didn't starve. Okay. God, you know, those other crazy stories. I explain where God comes from and all. I'm not God. I'm not going to explain this. In the beginning, you could write it this way because it's a, in the beginning. I created, speaking for God, the heavens and the earth. Christmas reminds us that Jesus' birth and life and promised return really means that you and I have a purpose and that we matter to God. If he's coming back for you, if he's coming back for you, you matter. The manger reminds you and me that Jesus sees our humanity. He became flesh to identify with you and with me. He became flesh to show you and me that I, that he loves you and me unconditionally. And that he came willingly on this mission, a rescue mission, to save you and me. And the central focus of our history, what we celebrate today, that God had a purpose and plan when he created this world. And he created this world for me and everything He has done is for you and me. And it does in some ways. If you're a Christian, you understand, you think, and you know who we are as sinners, you think this really doesn't make sense. Why would he care about me? But he does. We have hope. We have a purpose and we're not lost in some big universe. God knows right where we're at and he's working to bring about his purpose. For his church, for his people, and for you. And we have hope. And that's the Christmas story. Part two. Let me read from Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79. Let's read from the text. First, begin with verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is God's word for God's people, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Amen. The Christmas season should be, and usually is, one of joy, hope, and happiness. But it can be, for others, a time of despair. And we wonder how anyone at this time could be in despair. I want to kill one little myth that people think of about Christmas, and the myth is that suicide rates are higher during christmas time than any any other time of the year the thought is that people who are clinically depressed would get even more so when they saw so many feeling so many feeling joy when others didn't have the joy but the fact is christmas is not the highest time for suicide truth be told it is spring and one reason is spring is The newness of life begins to appear and people who are desperate and lost and depressed, discouraged, think, well, there's no newness, no hope for me. But Christmas is a time of hope. It's a time of hope in darkness. It's a time of hope in death. It's a time of joy when people are hurting. It's a time of joy because Jesus Christ is what Christmas is. Is about. You and I need to realize that it's not about the eggnog, it's not about the reindeer, it's not about Rudolph, it's about Jesus Christ. This may sound silly to you and as I started to use it as illustration I thought there had probably been a day I would have not would not have had the nerve to do this. But all of you recall the famous book by Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I was kind of hoping he made it to the TV show, but he was, I guess he was occupied. But the Grinch hated the Who's. And the reason he hated the Who's, he hated them because they were happy. And he knew that he could steal their tree and their presents, they would lose heart, and they would become super sad because they wouldn't have their stuff on Christmas morning. And so he stole it. And guess what? It didn't work. The Who's celebrated Christmas even when all the materially Christmassy things were gone. See, the Christmas spirit can't be stolen. And the Christmas spirit wasn't what the Grinch thought it was. And I hope you realize Christmas is not about the eggnog. And this is a beautiful tree, and uh, it, but it's not about the trees. And Helen and, and Roger and all those... It helped them get it set up. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. But it's not even about those things. It's not about the present. presence. Jesus Christ came into the world, born of the flesh, born of a virgin, to bring us light so people who are living in the darkness of death could find true hope. If we were someone we love, received a, a, a diagnosis, Of stage 4 cancer and we did not know the tender mercy that is mentioned in Luke chapter 1 verses 78 and 79 we would be a people who had no hope no light we'd only be a people at darkness and despair Jesus Christ came into the world to change that he came in the world to be our light and to be our hope and like the who's in the story of Dr. Seuss, we should find peace and joy in the Christmas season that is not tied to presents, to trees, or to eggnog. We should remember Christmas morning that it's not about the stuff and it's not about the things, but it's about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about what we've been talking about in First John. The light of the world came And because it came, we no longer live in darkness, hallelujah. Through him, death no longer has any hold on us. And like the who's, take our life in this world. Take our things. Because this life and things and this world is not what we are about. We as Christian people are about Jesus Christ. And that's why we're really here this morning it's not about the things it's not about the present. it's not about the trees it's not about the eggnog it is about jesus christ we are about him and god's mercy gives to you and me a peace and a joy that only that truly surpasses all understanding i can't explain it i did not grow up in a church i did not grow up in a christian home and when I step back and look at my life, and I look at what I, how I view the world now, I am totally surprised how salvation can transform a life. And the most important thing to me is Jesus Christ and what he's about. In some ways, Christmas is every Sunday. <laughs> it's every day, just like Easter. Easter's not just a holiday for me in the spring. It's every Sunday. That's why I come to celebrate his birth and his resurrection. And not only that, his soon coming. When we remember how the son of God came into the world, born of a virgin, born to the very poor of the poor, lived in an insignificant village, In an insignificant country and then one day he died for our sins that you and I could have immeasurable joy because we could always have Jesus this is what we do part of what we do is to train the young to teach them about the Lord to let them understand the scripture who Jesus Christ is that's what you do that's why you give the, your money. That's why you come. That's why this church is here That's what we do we Give him jesus You said what the I remember when I uh, uh, was younger and uh, Some of you remember this that we don't do it anymore But how many of you can remember the days when the church would give out a bag of fruit? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, I won't say old jar <laughs> We don't do that anymore I mean, my grandsons get things all the time. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't think they should get anything for Christmas. That'd be the one day, that I'm getting. But it's not about things. It's about him, and that's who we are. He was born of a virgin in an insignificant town. He lived in an insignificant village whose father really did a very unimportant job, a carpenter, everything he built, is gone. But what Jesus did. Endures forever. For he came and he died on the cross. But hallelujah. He rose again from the dead. And I, as I've grown older. My preaching as a Christian. I'll, I, you, you'll hear me say this. And he ascended into heaven. And he's exalted at the right hand of God. Jesus, God said to him. This is my son. And he told him to be seated. At his right hand. And because of that, we have hope, hope when there, there's not any, there's hope because the light has shown in the darkness and that's what Christmas is about. And if you're in a time of darkness, a time of desperation, a time of despair, and you're thinking, what will I do this Christmas? I would encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. He'll be the best gift you can receive. You may not get anything from anybody else, but God is giving to you His only begotten Son. You'll discover it's not about things. It's about Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.